I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. We're in it. We're in Lent. Here we are. Week one. Are you ready? And I almost hate to ask that question, mostly because I, I don't want us to think that we're walking into Lent like it's some sort of spiritual boot camp. You know, a lot is said and made about this idea that, you know, I go into Lent ready, ready to embrace the fasting, ready to embrace the pain, ready to embrace the suffering, like it's some sort of spiritual CrossFit, you know, no pun intended. And well, that might benefit some people, Lent as this gung-ho, get it done, spiritual CrossFit, it could be beneficial and fruitful. I feel like that's just going to give way to burnout. That When we're tested in the daily fires of small, tiny sacrifices and suffering, that that ends up perhaps being more fruitful than the gung-ho, get-it-done attitude. You know, we heard Father John talk about that on our Ash Wednesday episode that hopefully you've had the chance to listen to about how walking into the desert, returning to the Lord with our whole heart is this persistent work that often happens in very slow and subtle and, and purposeful ways. And as we're digging into the themes of return, this guided Lenten journal from Father John Burns, and I was really struck by, for the first Sunday of Lent, he really leads us quite beautifully into this idea that before this public ministry of the Lord began, he went into the desert and was quiet. And that sometimes it's in the quiet, sometimes it's in the silence, sometimes it's in the desert where the suffering, where the pain where the purgation, so to speak, becomes so crystal clear and that we experience it in such an intense way so that then when the small, daily, tiny moments of suffering and sacrifice happen, maybe we're more ready for them because of that time in the desert, or at the very least, our head is in a better place and space because we've had that quiet, we've had that silence, we've had that purgation. You know, the opening collect for for Mass for the first Sunday of Lent says, Grant Almighty God through the yearly observances of Holy Lent. So here we are back again into our Lenten routine that we may grow an understanding of the riches hidden in Christ and by worthy conduct pursue their effects. And one of the things Father John said on our Ash Wednesday episode was how the collects of Lent are often kind of forgotten. At this point in mass, if you've got a child in your arms, they're, they're squirming and want to sit down or want to go to the back. Your head has probably started to drift and wander to the to-do list and to the grocery list and to the mealtime list and all the various things that are bouncing around in your head that needs your attention. And so here comes father and he goes, let us pray. And here comes this prayer. And, and we're like only half paying attention, depending on, on where we happen to be in our head and our heart. And here's this opportunity to pray We want this Lent to be a chance to grow an understanding of the riches hidden in Christ. And it begs the question, what riches are hidden in Christ? And how do I find them? And how do I allow them to affect me and to move me and to change me? And it requires an entrance into the desert. Sometimes a desert of our own choosing. I'm giving up this thing. I'm entering into the desert of no sweets. I'm entering into the desert of no social media. I'm entering into the desert of no radio on in the car. And sometimes it's a desert that we have not chosen, a desert desert that we find ourselves in and we just have to figure a way through. 
And for this first week of Lent, we wanted to sit down and have a conversation with someone who has experienced a purgation, has experienced a Lenten desert outside of Lent that has helped her maybe approach Lent in a better way, has also helped her kind of understand the little sufferings of life are often what allows us to become the holy person God wants us to be. Britt Fisk is a rancher. She's a mom. She's a wife. She is a cancer survivor. And she has an incredible story of suffering that leads to a deeper understanding of the cross in about as approachable and as simple a way as imaginable. And is such an accessible story in that simplicity and in that approachability tells, she tells the story with such beauty, with such grace. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with her about returning to the Lord in Lent by way of the deserts of our choosing and of our not choosing and figuring out, right, that the Lord wants certain things for us and how we can embrace them. This is all part of our Ave Explorer series on Lent. You can grab a copy of Return from AveMariaPress.com. We'd love it if you'd follow the podcast and join us every week right here on the Sundays of Lent to sit down and really reflect and to pray and to think about what Father John is walking us through, to listen to these amazing guests as we have these conversations that I think are going to be quite fruitful for you. We'd love it if you give it a rating and review. But for right now, we'd just be really grateful if you sit back and enjoy this conversation with Britt Fisk of Bell Road Beef about returning to the Lord in the desert of Lent. Britt, welcome to Ave Explores. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. I know you are, you're not at home. You, you frantically emailed me to say, I don't have my microphone. I was like, it's fine. We, most people don't. <laughs> most people just have headphones. Good. Tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, where you are, your family's very unique company, and, and then we'll kind of get into it. <laughs> yeah. So I am just a wife and a mom. We have eight children ranging from ages 12 to two. In the northeastern corner of New Mexico, we're ranchers there. And in the last four years, we started actually selling our beef nationwide, shipping it from our home to your doorstep. Yellowstone style, right? Like every time I see yes, you on Instagram, exactly. I'm like, I know people. But I hope I'm a little <laughs> bit nicer than some of those characters. <laughs> some of those people. Yeah. The Duttons are not yeah. kind people. They're great entertainment, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to hang out with exactly. them. Exactly. How did, exactly. um, was this your family's business? Was this your husband's family business? Like yes. where, what's the story of Bell Road Beef? Yeah. So my family has, have been ranchers for generations, far back as I know. And it was my mom's side of the family that was actually in New Mexico. And we grew up there. I never thought I'd come back. <laughs> it was just a lifestyle that was so dependent on the weather, on the market, mm-hmm. on things that couldn't be controlled. And I didn't think I wanted that. And I got married and my husband had just finished a stint in the military, was getting his graduate degree in geophysics and decided that he might not want to sit behind a desk his whole life. <laughs> so there was a place for us on the ranch. We moved there when my oldest was two weeks old and we've been there ever since. But wow, this beef business is actually like I said, fairly new. It was a way my sister and I could kind of still connect through ties on the ranch. She's in Chicago. And so we've partnered up. They do more of the marketing and design for the business. And my husband and I do more of the manual labor and social media. And we just thought it was a way eventually to diversify things on the ranch and to be able to do something together. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are with that now. I mean, it's amazing food. I ordered my husband the Valentine's Day box last year. 
Oh, yeah. I did not get it this year for him. And he was so <laughs> disappointed. He was like, where are my steaks? Oh, and I was like, I'm sorry. Well, it like slipped my mind. <laughs> so I have to I have to go back. What was the jerky too? Like, but all my kids, okay. I say all of them, all two of them were like stealing <laughs> it from us. So it's a great product. But you mentioned that you use that word dependent. That's such a great word to describe it. I mean, you very much are. The market changes. The weather changes. Cows die, right? Sometimes people's eating habits change. The economy is is constantly shifting. How has that dependence in a professional perspective, how do you think it's it's kind of seeped its way into every other area of your life? You know, I will have to say that it's probably the thing I struggle most with in my life. Mm-hmm. I want control. I want to be able to know what's going to happen, how I'm going to handle it, if I have the resources I need. And it relinquishing that control and trusting God mm. has been like, I, I sometimes feel like he's up there going, Britt, how many more things do you need to learn how to trust me? Yeah, You know, and the moments in which I haven't had control where I've been forced to trust God in a way have been some of the most beautiful of my life. Mm. And so it's just, I'm reminded in all areas, whether it's our business, whether it's our personal life, anything that in order to have peace, I have to let it go. Mm. Mm. In order to have peace, you have to let it go. That's a great line. Why is that so hard for people to do? You know, I don't know. I think from my perspective, it's like, hi, God, like I, I'm trying, I'm trying to do the right thing. If I do this particular thing in the correct manner, will you love me more? Mm. Like, like feeling like there's this, this responsibility, like God has created us. He's given us his commandments, the way he wants us to live. And it's like, I feel like on my end, I'm like, I've got this. I'm, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to make you proud. And in reality, like thinking that to not jump at that, to not seek that control, would almost in a way be slothful, like I wasn't doing my part. And in reality, I, I really think he wants us to, to sit back and say, I'm your vessel, mm-hmm. like use me and make it clear. And that is truly a daily task in front of me. Like I need a reminder that I am not in control. Mm. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a radical trust exercise. Like I I hear the word trust and I think of those trust falls that we would do at all those group camps. And I was always so bad at those. Be like, I'd rather be the catcher. Like, I don't want to fall. Because like these are human beings and I know our flaws and our mistakes in life. And like, I I love you, but I don't trust you that much. So I'm at 10 times more, a thousand times more with the Lord. You experienced that in a very intense way in just the past few years. Can you tell us a little bit of, of your story? Yes, there's dependence on the ranch. Yes, there's dependence with the number of children that come. But then you had a massive health crisis and your child had a massive yes. health crisis. Can you tell us that story? Yes, I'll try to be brief. I never <laughs> know exactly what to include in that. But so in August of 2020, which was, I think, a hard year across the board for people, we had our eighth child, Agnes. And I was just in pregnancy, the person who had all the prenatal testing done wanted to know what was coming our way. Everything looked great. She was measuring a little bit small. And we we gave birth and 
everything's good, I think. I start hemorrhaging. So the nurse takes her away. And it's just like so flippantly, the nurse goes, so when you change her diaper, just be aware she doesn't look normal. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even see her. So I just kind of panicked. And I said, can we announce that we have a baby girl? And she said, I think so. And I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she, she had this huge, what we thought, bruise from her bottom down her left leg. And, but the birth wasn't traumatic. So we were kind of like, what's going on? And it wasn't until later that evening that we saw our pediatrician. And she's like, that's not a bruise. And it's the biggest hemangioma we've ever seen. Mm. She said, but, but we're going to find out what's going on. And she stayed up through the night, ended up landing on a syndrome called lumbar syndrome, which just basically encompasses a lot of different parts of the body that can be affected. And I guess then if if you've got a lower body hemangioma and if you've got bony malformations and a couple other things, they consider you having lumbar syndrome. So she did. We discovered lots of things before we left the hospital with her. But the biggest thing was that she had a tethered spinal cord and a very complex one. We didn't discover that until a couple of months later. But in the middle of receiving that news, how complex it was and how difficult it would be to fix, in that week, I received a diagnosis that I had stage 2B breast cancer. Mm. And so our world just changed so much in such a, such a short amount of time. And truly though, Katie, looking at it now, like there was no way I could control any of it. Mm -hmm. And going through it was difficult and it still is at times, but I talked to, I talked to a therapist. I'm like, why is it that I could handle cancer and I can't handle this particular relationship Mm -hmm. in my life? She's like, you didn't have a choice Mm -hmm. with the cancer you had to just go through it and trust that God was in your corner. Mm-hmm. Like that you can't take it away. And there's so many choices that come with other, what I would deem smaller areas in my life. Mm-hmm. But I would find myself getting so frustrated that I can handle this catastrophic event, but this particular other thing in my life is going to break me, yeah. you know? But I learned so much. That's such a great insight of like the big hard thing that we don't have a choice. You just got to do it because there is no other option versus like the little tiny ways that we are often called to trust and surrender. But like, but I could go control that. So I'm just going to do it my way. And like, Jesus, like you're just going to kind of get shoved to the side in this regard. It, you would think that one would prepare us to be better for the other. But in fact, I feel like the big radical trust that we have to give sometimes works against the little tiny ways of trust. And I, I don't exactly know how we get to a place of allowing those two things. I guess the question to you is, I mean, you just share with us sometimes that's really difficult, but I mean, that's a lot. A cancer diagnosis while your child has to have major surgery multiple times. What did that do to your faith? Like, yes, you have to trust. You just have to deal with it. But like, were there moments of 
why me? Why us? What, what, what about my kids? What about my husband? Like, were there those moments when it was just Brit alone, especially in treatment? I know y'all moved to Houston for a summer Mm -hmm. and there was all this generosity Mm -hmm. and this outpouring of people caring for you. But even in the midst of there's good coming from this, what was that doing to your personal sense of faith? You know, I don't think this is attributed to me for some reason. I've never asked why I've never asked if God's there. I've never asked why I've always just had this sense that he's going to take care of things. But what I did struggle with was what's this doing to my kids? Mm -hmm. What will this do to my husband? What if like worst case scenario, like I'm not here in a couple of years. Mm. And that was what was so paralyzing. I think sometimes too, Katie, it was watching those I loved watch me Mm. and maybe trying to convince them like, I'm, I'm okay. I've got this. I've got this. But knowing that on their side of things, they were helpless. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been in this situation, like even with your children, knowing there's nothing you can do to help ease their suffering, it's almost more crippling than the suffering itself. Mm -hmm. But I will say sometimes in the questions, And in the most difficult times, there were enough moments of such clear signs that God was right there. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't get too far from that, from those particular moments before he would let me know again. Like, like with Agnes, for instance, there were two doctors that said, we don't feel comfortable performing this surgery right now. I Mm. there's probably do more harm than good. You won't, her spinal cord won't be detethered. You may never walk. So a late night cry for help to a third doctor and him basically performing a miracle for her. Like, and the, the, the way in which that fell together could be nothing but God's hand. Mm-hmm. So it was those little like almost, okay, Britt, I'm going to give you this little nugget and you're going to, you're going to feed off of this until you need another mm-hmm. one. Just reminders, like you may not understand, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. This is so, I think, perfect for the kickoff of a Lenten podcast because it you kind of lived Lent for a very long time, right? Like everybody <laughs> had the Lenty Lent of 2020 and then your family gets these two massive diagnoses right at the point when the world, like, we started to kind of maybe be a little bit okay or started to kind of figure things out. Like that, that fall of 2020 mm-hmm. was just a fall of suffering. And there's oh, so intense... You said you were worried about your kids. You said you were worried about your husband if you weren't there, but you are there, praise God. And like you are walking through this. How did this maybe start to change the way you guys approached living faith as a family, especially when that next Lent came around, which they're this, we've all fasted enough. We have all suffered enough. We are, we are living Easter as long as we possibly can. I guess here's my first question. What does Lent normally look like in the Fisk home and then how has your Lent maybe changed over the past couple of years of, of walking this road of medical hardship and radical trust in the Lord? You know, I think like a lot of people, Lent comes up and I'm like, oh gosh, there's 400 areas of my life that need changing and I'm going to tackle them all this Lent. And then 10 days in, none of them are going well. So it's like, whoops, I did it again. <laughs> But with our with our family and with our little ones, we've done different things in the past. We've prayed a nightly rosary. We've turned off the TV for Lent. 
one of my favorite things, and I can't remember who I found this from, but during Holy Week, turning off all of the lights. And if mm. we're going to have light in the house, have candlelight and just, just the darkness preparing for that, that light of Easter. Um, but and some of the kids, I try to try to remind them that it's good to sacrifice. It's good to give something up. It's good. And you know how it is. Kids are like, yeah, well, I think I'll give up taking a shower. <laughs> like we are missing the point. But but now I just try so much harder to just, I don't know, bring out our faith in our daily life. Mm-hmm. What we were doing before, what we may not have noticed. And, and welcome the different questions, the getting through the suffering that, like, for instance, this week, I was supposed to be here in Houston for, for overnight, and I would be home at the end of Valentine's Day. And I assured my kids that's what was going to happen. And I don't know why I always do that. So when I had to stay a little longer, my very first thought was, my kids, like, they're not going to even be able to trust me. I'm always Mm. telling them one thing and something else is happening. But then flipping that perspective during Lent, during any time and going, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. life gives us enough little suffering to show our kids through a very organic way that we've got to let God in. We've, Mm. We've got to let him take care of us. We've got to love in these daily reminders. And so almost more of just a, realistic like talking through the idea that life is really hard mm-hmm. and that we really need him to get through every single day yeah yeah it's not so much that lent is okay this is our boot camp so much as lent is the okay we're 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 turning it up a little bit so that we're aware of there's all these kind yes. of lenty moments the rest of the year too and those are opportunities yes Kind of, like you said, a training ground to manage our daily life mm-hmm. from here on out. Yeah. So kind of the way we, we look at it now. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think that's a great perspective, especially with such a wide range of kids. You've got littles, you've got sort of bigs. I don't know what 12 kind of cat. I think of 12-year-olds still as like little six-year-olds as far as sometimes their oh, behavior, yeah. but also sometimes oh, they, exactly. just, they want love from mommy just as much as the little ones. And I only, exactly. you know, it's only because I, I work with middle school kids sometimes. You know, Father John Burns talks a little bit about in his, in the first chapter, kind of these two schools, right? The school of love and the school of suffering. And you've definitely walked the path of the school of suffering and kind of been given this, this heavenly teaching of like, this is how you embrace the cross and in a very, very radical way. But then there's also kind of this in the day to day, that embrace of the cross and the day to day, the suffering. What is your advice? I guess there's people that are listening to this who have not walked such a difficult road but certainly have had those sufferings or maybe they have, they have walked really difficult roads and, and they haven't arrived on the other side as put together or as, as unaware of like what God is actually doing as you and your family have. And I'm saying as put together as a compliment, because it does kind of seem like y'all have approached this with the best possible attitude and the best awareness of how God can use this. What's your advice for embracing that cross and embracing the desert in the Lenten season for the, the big crosses and for the little crosses? I would say just like before, the big crosses are almost easier because mm-hmm. God removes a lot of that 
even possibility of control. But what I found is that the sooner I say, God, take care of this, take care of this, the sooner I say, not my will, but yours, the better it ends up. Mm. And I'll be the first to admit, like, this is still a huge learning process for me. And, and I get down on myself. I do. I'm like, what in the world? Like your daughter was in the hospital for a month away from you. And your son is asking you a question when you think it's your time to rest. And your, your first response is what, <laughs> you know, instead of this, this love that should naturally flow from a mother to her child. But I just find myself, and I think this is a testament to the pride that's within me going, oh gosh, like, I'm not going to get there this side of heaven. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to finally, like you said, finally arrive at a formula for handling suffering or a formula for trusting God. But the thing that has helped me most is to take a deep breath, maybe pray the surrender prayer and think, you know, what's the worst that could happen here? Mm. And even in the worst of it, God is still there. And if I give it to him before he has to pry it out of my hands, it does at least a little something for the peace in my heart. Mm -hmm. I may not know the answers. I may not get that really blatant clarification, but it doesn't take much looking to the past Mm -hmm. to then be convinced like, oh, you got through that too. Mm -hmm. Like God's not going to leave us. Yeah. I have a little sign on my desk that says it is well with my soul based off of a talk that I heard Father Mike Schmitz give about this, this man who'd lost his family, had lost his wife and immigrates to the United States of America and writes the it is well poem after having lost everything, like what's the worst that could possibly happen? I have lost everything and it is still well with my soul. It's just this perfect reminder of, you yes. know, it, like the little annoyances. What's the worst possible thing? Like I got to endure this for 20 minutes. I got to endure this for, for 15 minutes. I, you know, I got to I got to rebuild a house. I got to deal with this cancer diagnosis, whatever it happens to be, that the Lord can still work in that and it will be well at the end of the day. Right. And I think sometimes too, Somebody could listen to this podcast and go, but that just, that just doesn't seem right. And I guess what I, I want to emphasize is it being well, doesn't mean that it's not hard. Right. Doesn't mean that there's not nights that you're bawling your eyes out because you don't know where to go from here, Mm -hmm. but to wake up new every morning and go as hard as this is, as much as my heart's breaking, God's here. It has to be enough to know that he's right there with you, that mm. you're not alone. Mm. So good. Oh, that's, there's so many, I'm writing notes copiously because there's so many great nuggets from this conversation. You know, we wrap up all of our, our chats with folks for this particular Lenten season by asking, what's your hope for this Lent? And I feel like there's a, a caveat to this question. It's 2023. We all mm-hmm. had the Lentiest Lent ever in 2020. Things kind of started to feel a little okay in 2021, maybe back to normal in 2022. So I feel like this is like the reset Lent. Let's go back right. and, and relive the Lents of before 2020. Yes. 
So that's the, what's your hope for maybe this first normal Lent, normal Lent that we've had in a while? I feel like it's to be at the end for my heart and my words to marry up, Mm. you know, to be at the end of this Lent, more peacefully giving everything to God. Because intellectually, sometimes I can say that, Katie, Mm -hmm. and my heart's still not quite right in line with my mind. Like, oh, but I still want a piece of this. Or, oh, I'm still a little Mm. unsure that you can handle this. And to just to get to Easter Sunday and have a piece about anything that comes my way. And I know that's quite a lofty goal for six weeks, but <laughs> to get to the point that that's, that's my go-to, you know, because mm-hmm. like you said, we both can sit here and be like, this is what we should do. And daily putting that into action is a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy. Brett, you're so great. Thank you for taking the time to share your wisdom with us and your story. Where can folks follow you and where can they go buy like the best steaks I've ever had? You know, as somebody who grew up on Omaha steaks, they don't hold a candle to Bell Road Beef steaks. Oh, you're so sweet. And my Instagram handle is Bell Road Beef. And then our website is bellroadbeef.com. So I think on Instagram, you can even search my name Mm -hmm. and it comes up. But that's basically where we do the most of our social media. I had a blog, but I haven't updated it in three years. <laughs> Life so gets busy. Not even going to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put but the I links down. Talking with you. I love what you're doing. Oh, thanks. You have got such a gift. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time, Britt. We'll be praying for you guys. Thank you. I was really grateful, really, really grateful for, for Britt to share her story with us. You know, she said something in the course of our conversation that really struck me about how, you know, there's oftentimes this attitude of, okay, I I don't want to go to this place of suffering. I don't want to go to that place of suffering. I don't want to embrace this particular cross. But how over time, we kind of have to train ourselves to what's the worst that could happen? How hard could it really be? If I can make it through this for the next 10 minutes, for the next 15 minutes, for the next half hour, for the next 10 days, for the next 40 days, then I can really maybe handle anything. And one of the things Father John will talk about, you'll see this as you work your way through return this particular week, is that, you know, the devotion that we hopefully grow in our Lenten season, this denial, our self-denial, our self-sacrifice, our desire to be more generous, our desire to be more prayerful, that these little tiny actions day in and day out, not the gung-ho, I'm going to do Lent, but the, okay, I'm going to embrace Lent today, right? Those little things build up over time to create this, this greater awareness of God's presence in our life. So that when the cancer diagnosis, the medically complicated situation with a child, the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, the changing of circumstances, right? That those big moments of suffering and challenge are a little bit easier to grapple with and to handle because of the small moments of preparation. That we enter into the desert for 40 days because it changes us for the rest of the year when we're gonna walk into deserts, sometimes of our own choosing and sometimes forced upon us. And I think that's the right attitude that we have to have to approach this Lent. You know, I've, I've said this on my radio show. I've, I've said this in conversations with friends. I, the other day, sat down for, for donuts on Mardi Gras with a good friend of mine about how this Lent 
feels a little different. And I don't know if it's because, you know, 2020, it was just a really lenty Lent. 2021, the world is slowly starting to return to normal. 2022, we were back to normal, but maybe not fully really because we were still kind of figure out what that new normal looks like. I hate that I just used that phrase, but just go with me for a second. So here we are, 2023, and we're finally processing everything that's happened the past few years. We finally feel maybe ready to re-embrace some of that, that new suffering. You know, I, I, was, I was telling my husband, so in 2020, I was pregnant. In 2021, I was nursing. Last year in 2022, I was dealing with some new medication stuff. And, and my doctor had basically said, you're not allowed to fast because of this new medication that you're on to help, you know, the fact that your body has changed since having your gallbladder removed. And so I, I've never, I haven't for the past three years, I haven't properly fasted in the season of Lent. And we'll talk about this in later episodes as the season goes on. But I'm really excited about the fact that this Lent, I get to embrace, okay, no cream in my coffee. No candy when I walk past the kitchen. No ice cream after the kids go to bed to really embrace that desert of sacrifice and see what God can do with it. And I think a lot of people are kind of feeling that that maybe that excited anticipation of what could this Lent possibly bring and how can I more fully enter into the desert? Not with a to-do list, not with a checklist, not with a, okay, I'm gonna do Lent, but with the, okay, I'm gonna embrace Lent attitude. And I, I'm really excited to get to walk with you here on Ave Explorers as we dig into these themes from Father John Burns's return, as we talk about our Lenten experiences with a, a host of wonderful people. If you want to see our whole lineup of guests coming, check it out on the Ave Maria Press Instagram page. You can check it out on my Instagram page, Katie P. McGrady. We'd be super grateful if you'd follow this podcast, maybe give it a rating and a review so more folks can find it. Maybe give it a share on your social media or text it to someone or or post it up on, on your Facebook. We'd be really, really glad if you shared it around. If you told people, hey, this is what I'm doing for Lent. I'm reading this book. I'm listening to this podcast. Father John has created some beautiful videos to go along with Return. Find it all over on AveMariaPress.com. You won't regret it. I think it'll be really fruitful for you. We'll be back next week with another wonderful conversation that I can't wait for you to hear. We'll be sitting down with Father John Lococo, a priest of the Diocese of, of Milwaukee, the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, to talk about really kind of embracing that Linton moment, even when it, it, it starts to get a little hard and, and what it looks like to go deeper into the desert, what it looks like to go a little deeper into what Christ is asking of us. So stick around for more of Ave Explorers. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss anything. Make sure that you're signed up for our emails so they come right to your inbox. We're so grateful that you joined us this week. We'll be praying for you and we'll see you soon. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.